No subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. And uh, there's no stopping this freight train. Five weeks in a row, BOA Audio Season 10 continues onward here with another edition of the program. First time I think we've been doing a show since we launched uh, the season where it's still light out. Early, early in the evening. I should have scheduled for later. I'm really jamming this one in. But I'm really excited about it because I'm expecting a lot of laughs tonight and a lot of fun. Because our guest is Marie D. Jones, and uh, I was looking into it. It's actually wrong last week when I was talking about this interview. Uh, Marie's been on the show since BOA Audio Season 2. Uh, so this is her ninth time on the show, and uh, the first time we ever did a, an interview, I, I looked it up, was February 6, 2007. So we've been talking to Marie Jones here on BOA Audio for over a decade, and when I was putting together the list... For season 10 guests, she was a no-brainer. She was obviously on the list. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to just essentially have sort of a fringe science jam session catch-up. It's been a couple of years since we talked to her because of the weird uh, hiatus here last year. And uh, she's got a bunch of stuff coming up, and she's working on a million things. Uh, she's got a new book coming up in the fall, Demons, the Devil, and Fallen Angels, that she co-wrote with uh, our old buddy Larry Flaxman. She's also got a new book coming out in July called The Power of Archetypes, and a re-release of Super Volcano, which she co-wrote with her father. So uh, lots going on, and of course, lots going on in the world, and I'm dying to talk to Marie Jones about all that. So, Marie, welcome back to the program. Thank you for all the years of fantastic conversations, and uh, here's to one more for Season 10. I've seriously been on nine times? Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, I feel old. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me back. I, I appreciate it. I really do. Your show is one of my favorites because we can just let it all hang out. And, exactly. You know, talk about anything, not censor. No, there's no censorship on this show. Yeah, no censorship. Yeah. We can do whatever yeah. we want. It's going to be great. And uh, like I said, you got a lot going on here. i got to give you credit, though, for uh, this. Is I don't know if anyone's ever said this to you, but uh, – this Facebook is like a cesspool now. It's awful, and it's a horrifying place, and uh, I hate it. And the, the only bright spot of my day on Facebook is Marie Jones. She posts, like, the funniest shit. She's just like, 
an endless stream. It's it's like a comedy channel, folks. You if you're not if you're not friends with Marie Jones, <laughs> you're seriously missing out. Because I'll be like scrolling through and be like chomp 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 chomp. Then it'll be like funky picture of like a dude in the seventies with a terrible mustache. That's awesome. <laughs> like half the shit you pop out. I'm like, where did she fucking find that thing? I know. I get that a lot. Oh my. You know God. what? I do it just as much for myself. I guess I've gotten quite a reputation now for, you know, strange posts. And I have so many friends that are just depressed or they're fighting the politics and all the bullshit. And so it's like, you know what? Here. <laughs> Here's a picture of a donkey's ass. And, um, but I, when I'm writing, I get so intense that I have to take a lot of breaks, especially if I'm researching. And so that's like how I blow up steam. Otherwise, I think I'd kill somebody. I'll find, you know, the funniest kitschy stuff and, oh, i got to share this. and seems to strike a nerve. But I think people appreciate the humor. There's so much crap on there now. And my son, he's like, Mom, ooh, Facebook, oh, you should be on Instagram. And I am on Instagram, but all people do is, like, post pictures of their feet. And what? But they have for it's disgusting. Who's posting foot pictures? Jesus. Like, women that just had manicures, although you know their their feet look like they never washed them, and My or, or here's um here's a flesh or here's a bacterial wound that I have. You know, look at the pus. Oh God. On, yeah, seriously. Otherwise, it's their food that they had to eat. Yeah, it's a lot of food. It's a lot of food. But yeah, so I post on there, and and I end up just. Posting crap. I mean, I've I don't a real liking to Twitter lately. Book. I kind of like. Yeah, that. I love Twitter, and I'm not on it as often as I as I used to be. Um, but I love it. It's just so fast moving, and you actually, I think, get more news in that format than you do on Facebook. Facebook is a lot of opinion. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Spin and fake news, and you know, the right and the left both bullshitting each other, and. It's, it's great. And, you know, and then it's all personal, people telling personal stuff. But Oh, God, yeah, I don't get these people. Some of them post shit that's like, I don't I don't care. I don't want to know, like, that your girlfriend is a bitch and whatever, you know? <laughs> they, like, you know, or your boyfriend's an asshole or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like they just post shit where it's like, well, Billy fucking left and he took the cat and yeah. I don't know what it's I'm going to, so- you know, and it's like... <laughs> How and then five days later, they've got in a relationship with someone new. Yeah, As exactly. a writer, I, I totally appreciate it, though. I observe, I mean, I observe everything about everybody. I'm just sort of, you know, I just swallow it up. Because as a writer, that's great fodder for, <laughs> for stories and ideas. And um, But it, it I do think that people need this outlet, you know, to vent about their lives. And I think that's why it's so successful. Yeah. And, you know, people said, oh, after a couple of years, it'll die out. Um, I think it might someday soon, better way to sort of express themselves, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I, I don't I don't think so. So now, that part of it I get. Yeah, yeah. It's It's very, uh, yeah, it's very strange. You know? It is, and yeah, it's, and I don't need to know about your. I don't post any relationship stuff at all. Now and then I might joke about it. My other pet peeve is like you 
you know, it's probably because I have a, a – no, it's not. I think everybody is like this. You, everybody becomes like – they have this warped sense that they're like a public figure, so they have to have a response to shit when it ha- – like like that awful bombing in Manchester. I didn't – I've yeah. kind of gotten over this, this like, compulsion. But so many yeah. people, you know, you have to go on and be like, oh. I didn't say a word about it this yeah. time. I, you know, when I first was on Facebook, I was just like you're describing. Yeah. I felt like I needed to respond to everything. And now it's like, you know, yeah, now well, yeah. it doesn't require my response. Exactly. You don't want to know my response. Right, right. And and, and F-U-C-K, the thoughts and prayers, because they don't do chat shit. <laughs> Excuse my French. But uh, yeah, no, it's no, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's just it's so annoying. Like it's like I've got to issue a statement about this. It's like no, yeah, you don't have to issue a statement about about this whatever any event. <laughs> issue a statement. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh it's, god, it's absolutely crazy. Get my assistant have her have her issue a Facebook statement. I feel sometimes like you know it in the past. There have been times when I just got off Facebook for a couple of days. You would not believe how many messages I get. Are you okay? Are you okay? Marie, are you okay? What's going on? Um, just working, <laughs> you know, taking a break. Yeah. And it's it's just amazing. And so I guess, you know, on my part, there's a little bit of a compulsion to to say something, to goof around, to do my usual thing. But sometimes I'm just scrolling and thinking, Oh my God! I hate people. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate human beings. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. And and just the the you know to to find factual information on Facebook is really difficult, really difficult because if you click on things, and you know you realize just how how much of it is spin and somebody's propaganda and oh my gosh it's not a good source of news yeah for sure now what do you yeah i think twitter is but yeah okay it's like so, a fast blast yeah so that's bashing facebook before no, no, mark zuckerberg me, comes after care. me yeah. he'll join church of scientology and start me. <laughs> oh my god okay uh so yeah no i'm just trying to pivot because people are probably like what the fuck do they know, know the show started yet no, guys, we're just chatting, guys. This is how the show's going to be, so just sit back just and relax. This is just the you know, drinking a beer, just chit-chatting. That's exactly. the show. Sorry. Exactly. So what do you, what have you been looking at lately? What's, what's, uh... Well, here's yeah. the thing. So the paranormal community is, is just a joke. Mm-hmm. I love um, it. I love it. And I'm not going to mince words. And the UFO, I, you know, to me that embraces everything. Paranormal to me doesn't just mean ghosts. It's the whole community. There's mm-hmm. so much insanity. And there's like there's like a couple of handfuls of really great researchers and writers. You know them. I know them. Who are continuing to just, you know, do what they've always been doing. And then you've got the showmen and the showwomen that I think have just driven it into the ground. Um, I honestly, like a few years ago, I remember being on the show. We were talking about all the TV shows and how awful they were. There's more honestly, and they're worse. Yeah. I honestly didn't think the field could, you know, get any worse, but it has. And I think that's just mainly because there's no, there's nothing new. 
Yeah. There, there's no new research. There's no new theories or hypothesis being, you know, there's nothing. Mm. Everybody is still chasing ghosts with the same equipment they've been using, which never worked in the first place. Um, it still shocks me when I, you know, I, I'm on social networking and I see that groups are trying to get a quote-unquote TV show. The UFO community is imploding. Yeah, have you been following this MUFON scandal? Oh, listen, there's three UFO stories I've been following. So okay. MUFON, that one first. Let's talk about the MUFON scandal. Wow. I, I, I was on Greg Bishop's show briefly on Sunday night uh, yeah. after a few beers and talked about it, but I haven't talked about it on my show. It's it's absolutely yeah. just, I don't Here's even know where thing. to begin. Yeah, you, 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 you had a, an affiliation with have, MUFON back in the day. So let's, I did. I ran, okay, so back in the... Um, late 80s through the 90s, I ran a MUFON group in Los Angeles, and then I moved back to San Diego, and I ran a group in the northern part of San Diego County. San Diego is so big, the county, that they had a group in the southern part, um, but nobody likes to go south or north. I mean, that's how big the county is. So I started a group with another gal named Laura, and... um, this was kind of back at the time when the whole abduction phenomenon was was really sort of exploding publicly. It had been going on for a while quietly, mm-hmm. but it it was just coming into the media and people were just starting to be aware of it. And we were having people come to us claiming to be abductees that we didn't know what to do with. We were like, well, we, you know, this is new to us. Right, right. And so at the time, you know, you had people like Bud Hopkins who was training other people to do hypnotic regression. We started working with Yvonne Smith. This was way, way, way a long time ago. And we, you know, we had some really interesting cases come through. I had a men in black encounter. You it did? Was really, yeah. What yeah, happened? I, Tell me this story. Nick Redfern, actually, the first time I ever revealed it was to Nick Redfern, who wrote about it in his um, Men in Black book. Oh, I don't think I ever caught um, that. Yeah, it was it was really weird. So but, I Yeah, take a detour and tell this been, story, because I've never being, heard this. Yeah, so some of the abductees that were coming to us, you know, you could tell right away which ones were looking for publicity, which ones were attention whores. Yeah. But there were a couple of people, including a guy who I should not say his name. He actually became a good friend of mine, he and his wife, for a long time, um, that had more unusual cases that didn't have the typical hallmarks, you know, of the of the abductee cases. And, again, we weren't quite sure what to do with them. So we were trying to ask for help um, with, with other MUFON groups, Center of UFO Studies, Fund for UFO Research, where we were trying to get grants. All kinds of stuff was going on at the time. So when this one gentleman who became my friend, he and his wife became friends of mine, um, it involved a military installation here in San Diego, I will say that much. So when he started, uh, I started meeting with him off-site, and he would come to the meetings, and we would, you know, we would go to lunch, and he would tell me the story, blah, blah, blah. So I started seeing these phone calls. And this is back before cell phones and back before caller ID. Okay? Mm-hmm. This is about this is back when we were still in the dinosaur era. Yeah. And the person calling me had a voice changer. So it sounded like a, a robotic person would ask me questions 
and it was very intriguing because I was kind of ballsy. I don't get I don't get scared that easily. Yeah, yeah. So wait a minute. I now, really let me, don't. Okay, okay yeah, so this yeah. is a this is a completely this is a separate person. This is like a random stranger calling totally you. Totally a separate okay. person. And what would no they say? What would they say? I'm getting okay. Out. So this guy would call me, and he would always call when my husband. I was married at the time when my husband wasn't home, and he would tell me what I was wearing, what book was on my night table by the bed, even though I had all the blinds drawn, um, things about my past that nobody knew. Jesus. So so I'm trying, I'm engaging in conversation. I'm not really, and then he would ask about this guy, this abductee, and I would never give any information. And I kind of thought it was a little bit of a game at first. You know, I'm kind of like, oh, screw you. If you're going to play games with me, I'm going to play them right back. Right. But it got to the point where the, the other gal, Laura, that I, I ran loose on with at the time, her house was being broken into. Jesus. She and her family were being followed. There were her husband, who owned a million guns, would find guys in, you know, dark clothing in on his property at night and he'd chase after him with a shotgun or you know, there's all Holy kinds of shit. stuff going on. So she and I so after this guy who was calling me started to really get kind of aggressive and really want to know more about the guy that we were um, you know, trying to help, the abductee and he was saying things, I know what you're doing right now. I know you're alone. There's nobody home, and, and I and I had just effing had it. Yeah, I, I just had it, and I'm tough. I really am tough as nails. But I felt like, you know what? This isn't worth it. So I had a talk with Laura, and she said, "That's it. We need to just disband the group before somebody gets hurt." Wow. And we shut down the group. Everybody went their separate ways. She, her husband, and their kids upped and moved to Montana. Wow. To try to get away from, I have not heard from her since, and I never got another phone call or anything else. I never got harassed again until I wrote science, and then I got harassed by a whole different type of people. Yeah, nerves. But it was so unnerving to me because, like, if somebody was just calling me to ask me questions, I wouldn't care. Uh, you know, but when somebody knows things about you, you start to realize my phone's tapped. There's probably cameras in my apartment, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's just so and, fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, and so when you know, and I told my husband, and he looked all around, couldn't find anything, and he said, "Just don't answer the phone anymore." <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I just said that's it. I I do have my limitations, and I'm not stupid, and I don't want this to continue. And she felt the same way, and we disbanded the group. That's absolutely yeah. crazy. That I I cannot. Wow. See what I yeah. I see, I don't want to say love, but what I love about the story is that it's I can trust you. I know you're not you're not making this shit up just to no, give me I some good, good radio material. I think this no, is, no, 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 no. And I mean, yeah, <laughs> Nick was the first person I ever told, and the only reason why I did is because he had asked me if I, you know, if I had ever had an experience in all my MUFON years, and I said no. I said, well, I had a weird experience, but I don't think it would really qualify. And when I told him, he was like, that's very common, <laughs> uh, and I it kind of you know sent a chill up my spine because I can be a bit of a bitch, but I felt like 
I knew I needed to cut things off before they got out of hand. Yeah. There was a real sense of foreboding whenever that I heard that voice. Not And I know this is totally, because you know me, I always try to err on the side of science. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Past. I honestly felt like I was not talking to a human. Mm. I can't prove that. Yeah, you know, well, it's like, how would they know all that shit? That's what I'm trying yeah. to figure. You know, part of me was like, I, I hate to be that guy, but like, you always see, it wasn't like your ex husband like playing a joke on you or anything like that, right? Oh, like, God, how no. They, yeah. Oh, God, no. He would like, no. Because I'm trying to like, <laughs> otherwise, how would they yeah. know all that shit? That's, that's really. That's why creepy. I backed off. I figured if somebody knows that, you know, what is the next step? They're going to show up at my door or they're going to follow me home at night, you know, going out to a club or whatever. Yeah. And it wasn't worth it. Yeah. That is and really I literally did not go back. And at the time, and we were talking about MUFON, well, at the time, MUFON really was a great organization that really emphasized, you know, knowing what you were doing. Yeah. And studying all of the different possibilities of something before you ever, ever use the word alien. I mean, that wasn't even part of the lexicon. Right, right. Um, I mean, we had, you know, the test was incredibly difficult. We had field training. We read Jane's Defense Weekly, and everybody tried to have a really well-rounded education because that's what MUFON was about. And I know that it kind of stayed that way for a while until, you know, well, what do you think recently. of these recent events? Is it like, because to me, well, I mean, obviously yeah. the initial comments were reprehensible and everything, but I, I was more taken aback because I joked it initially that it was like, oh, an, an old racist white guy in MUFON, you know, I'm stunned, you know. But then it was like they, their response was so ham-fisted exactly. and, yeah. and just completely insanely illogical and just, just offensive. Their, their response was offensive. So it was like, what the fuck kind of group is this? And now a lot of people are kind of waking up to it. So, I mean, I don't know. Was it, it, it just sounds like it's gone completely off the rails. It is. Now, look, I believe in free speech. You can hate who you want. You can hate blacks. You can hate Mexicans. You can hate white people, whatever. You can hate me. I don't so, know. So, John, you know obviously has some racial issues, and, and that's fine. That's his problem. That's for him to deal with. What I was really surprised at more than anything is that he, you know, one of the reasons why I post goofy stuff mainly on Facebook is because I have agents that, you know, will yell at me for religious or political. Right, right. And I used to get really pissed off about that. I said, no, I'm going to do what I want. But I understand that there is something called professionalism. And you could still be your playful, funny self. And sometimes I sneak political things in. But they're, you know, they're usually under the context of, the context of satire or whatever. And, but it took me a long time to understand that. I was really shocked at his total uh, betrayal <laughs> of professionalism. Dude. Put that crap in private, you know, in some right. private Right, yeah, groups. yeah, yeah. It seems almost, yeah, like self, it's self-destructive. Yeah. It's like, it seemed like and he was then, picking, looking, to, yeah, looking to stir up a major controversy. And then the stuff about the demons. And look, I I researched very heavily the, the 
the mis- possible misinterpretation of angels and demons in the Bible and how they might, I mean, aliens and demons. And I get that. But the second comments to uh, Norio were, I don't know, you saw those. I two, saw those. He, yeah, he said that yeah, his critics were blaming, demon-possessed. Come on. <laughs> it's one thing to go back and look at our history and wonder if our religious texts interchange the word alien or a demon, you know, an alien. That's one thing. To blame your critics of being demons, that's just you not wanting to face your own crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just ridiculous. And that, the fuck, that kind of, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and in the, in the fucked up part is, like, to follow through on how this thing's unfolded, it's like Buffon completely botched the job and yes, put, out, put out a statement that essentially – uh, laid blame equally between John uh, and the people who were speaking out against these Pretty, com- yeah. comments. It was uh, I don't have the sentence in front of me, but it was I, I said it will live, live in infamy. Um, you know, it was something along the lines of uh, where was it here? Let me see. Mufon said, "Who is worse, the person posting or the haters hating?" That to me was oh, like that, that was, was so, so far immature and juvenile. <laughs> Yeah, just and that's putting it nicely. So it's like, I to me, and I I sent out a I posted on Facebook and someone else's thing today. Some Denver Post columnist uh, made a racist joke on Twitter, a joke yeah. in quotes. It was a racist joke. It wasn't like a, it was it wasn't like like it wasn't a, it wasn't like anything like what uh, what John had posted. And the Denver Post fired the guy like the next day. And it was yeah. like, so, I mean, only, only fucking MUFON, 50 years and no answer to the UFO question, only MUFON, you know, did there, there is spinning their wheels in every sense of the word, you know, it's like they, they're, yeah, bad leaders, you yeah. know, incompetent to the, to the very end. Yeah, that kind of, that really surprised me. And I know, um, I, you know, I used to toy with the idea a few years ago. It's like, oh, I really miss being in, in a MUFON group. And then I'd read about all the in, internal politics and BS going on. And I know that there are some really high-quality people. Trust me, there are yeah. some. I mean, Chase, you know, Kwatsky comes to mind and a few others. But it, I was just shocked when I saw how they tried to they tried to ride both sides of the fence. And you can't do that. You know, if somebody is representing your organization and they screw up like that, they need to go. Or at the very least, they need to, you know, issue some kind of an apology and then shut the hell up for a while. Exactly. And, and like you said, it was like Mufon was, they were trying to play both sides of the fence. And it came out like, oh, people, you just, all the years of credibility, you know, what credibility you had left just went down the toilet. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, and the, and then to put a bow on it, to because you know there's a lot, there's a lot of people to blame in this situation in a way, because it's like then move on now. They said they they have expunged him from the organization. There's a lot of controversy over whether that's true or not. Um, yeah. Well, time will tell. Um, but but a lot of people are like you know okay all set you know dust your hands off oh we we won. And it's like, did you not see what MUFON posted, like, in response to this? Did you not see how they reacted? Like, it's yeah. not it's not done, dude. It's not – it's far from fucking done. It's like this this group needs an enema, man. That's really it. 
that's what I hear, you know, and and this isn't the first time. I mean, I think a lot of what made MUFON such a great organization and the one that you could turn to for structure, because in the entire paranormal community, whether it's, you know, people who are interested in the ghost aspect or UFOs or whatever, there's very little structure. Um, and they had it. They had yeah. the testing and they had the field training and I don't know, I mean, I really can't speak from experience when that started to sort of fade away. It could have been a few years ago, it could have been 10 years ago, but now it almost seems like there are loose cannons everywhere speaking for the group, and there's no real strong central structure right. that makes the rules and says, you know what, we have certain code of ethics and behavior that we expect from our members because that's what makes us so professional. There was none of that. So I'm glad I'm not in the group anymore. Right, exactly. Yeah, well, that's the fucked up part because, you know, like you were saying, it it would be cool to be a part of a functioning, decent UFO organization that was national, but certainly not fucking MUFON, you know. It's not... Yeah, maybe this will be about the end of guys and make them get their shit together, you know. I mean, sometimes they have to sort of implode from within. Mm. Um, to to see where the problems are. And I know that there are a lot, and I am not bagging on the local groups. There's probably a yeah, yeah, that no, I mean, are I, so professional and play by the, the books and, you know, take what they do very seriously. But when your leadership is screwed up, it's kind of like, oh, man, what an embarrassment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, by the you know, they're being misled by the very definition of the word. So it's really... Yeah. It's uh, it's unfortunate, you know. It really is. And I think this, too, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me on this one, it's a cult of celebrity, too, in a lot of these groups where a, a handful of people become the stars. Yeah. And they, you know, when they fall, they fall hard. And, and another one that I'd like to bring up that I was shocked, oh, actually I wasn't that shocked, I knew he'd end up going to prison with Sean David Morton. Yes, yes, Sean David Morton. Oh, listen. Is this one of the other stories you're following, Sean Sean David Morton? Well, here's why. I met him before he was famous, okay? I met him and had the opportunity, I think I was in L.A. at the time, to just, you know, spend time in his presence when he was basically nothing but a very ambitious sort of UFO research guy, okay? Really? When was this? Yeah. Oh, a long time ago. It was, yeah, it was quite a while ago. He was just starting out. Nice. And I remember, because I was in MUFON for quite a while, I remember as the years passed, we would joke about what is Sean's new gimmick for this year to get him attention. Oh, now now he's claiming to be this. Oh, now he's, you know, claiming this. And now he's all of a sudden a preacher or whatever. I mean, he went through so many different gimmicks. And I remember after a while just being so pissed off that here's he was amassing tons of money and followers and people who listened to him. And yet there were great researchers out there who couldn't get their books read. And, and it just really frustrated me. Right. So, um, so yeah, he... He definitely was kind of a, a con man. Even from, back then. 
in, in waiting yeah. or in training or something. Yeah. Well, I guess I saw something today that said that he doped a ton of money out of people. Yeah, well, he's looking at 87 months in prison, I guess. That's what they're recommending. So yeah, we'll find out next month. Know. That's like seven I mean, years. I, you know, who knows? I mean, he, can, he ha- may have his reasons, and you may be innocent, but... Well, no, he's um, been convicted of, of whatever they... Of fraud before, yeah. No, but he... I don't know if you... If you Wasn't he? If you have the latest. He was convicted, like, in April of a whole bunch of shit, and he's getting sentenced in June, and he's they're recommending a 75-month sentence. Oh, okay. So he's 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 got about two weeks till he's supposed to go to jail. But yeah. I don't know. With it, we're kind of like placing bets on whether or not he he's going to like flee the country or something. Yeah. Go to Brazil. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think he would do well in prison. I don't know if he would go to like one of those white collar prisons or what. Yeah, it's just wild. Craziness, and I mean, you know, then the, it, the, and on the ghost end, you've got just all the idiots that are still literally claiming that every house that is over 50 years old or abandoned is haunted. Yeah. Golly, come on, people. Or every single ghost, uh, and ghost and apparition is really a demon, and you got to call in the demonologist and the exorcists who are self-trained, um, please. Yeah. When did all this happen? You know, everybody's a freaking demonologist now. Well, the yeah, I think we talked about this before, where it's like they're yeah, they've run they've wrung all the water out of the ghost sponge, so there's nothing else. Yeah. They can't really. It's a weird field. I mean, I don't follow the field as much as I should. Not nearly as close as I do ufology. But it seems like there's still all these ghost hunting shows and shit, and it's like. It's just a weird ecosystem. Here. Like you were saying before about ufology and celebrities and shit. It's like there's the same there's the same ecosystem for uh for this ghost field where there's like yeah, these celebrities. Yeah, it doesn't change. At yeah. least at least in ufology there is some forward momentum, some uh mystery, you know, I mean at least there are still things that can happen. Yeah. You know, we can still have more disclosure. We can have big cases that, you know, have tons of witnesses, really good, solid, legitimate cases, not just lights that somebody put up on YouTube. There's still those possibilities. I don't see, I think with ghosts and that side of the coin, we've slammed up against a wall and we don't know the science of this. We don't know the science of why these things happen. Yeah. And nobody's really, in my opinion, looking in the right places. So, yeah, whatever. I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah, well, there's no, like, equivalent to a UFO landing on the White House lawn for, like, a ghost, you know? Because we've but seen, you know I mean, I've seen a million crazy ghost videos that, yeah. You know. How do you know they didn't, you know, Photoshop and, and exactly. CGI and all this stuff? And that's the thing is that in this day and age, everybody's got their cameras with them and they're taking pictures of every little light in the sky and every orb or whatever. And you would think that it would bring us closer to the truth, but it just seems to be throwing more crap in the middle that, that you know, the professional people need to dig through. Um, but here's something, Tim. Yeah. Here's, this, this fascinates me. So 
I'll talk about the third UFO thing that I thought was amazing, but I want to ask this of you first because I love to ask people this question. Oh, nice. Okay. If a UFO landed on the White House lawn and aliens got out and said, you know, we're here, we're we're not bad, we're here, we want to, you know, work with you guys, would you think the public would buy into it? What do you think the public reaction to that would be? Take our leader. Ah, well, aside from this, <laughs> here's what bothers me about that whole scenario. <laughs> I would say probably 40% of people would say it's a conspiracy. The government's behind it. It's not real, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about this scenario. So what would... What, yeah, what, <laughs> maybe even more. So what would the reaction be if one landed on the White House lawn? Uh, okay, if it were televised and, like, Nobody could get anywhere near them, like quarantine the whole area. Right, right, like a movie, then, like like you'd expect to see in a yeah. movie. Yeah, right. The conspiracy theories would be flying. It's a, it's a, you know, the government is just enacting this whole thing. It's meant, you know, there's no aliens. It's them. That's why you can't get close. That's why it's all televised. There's no reporters on the. Yeah, screen. yeah. There'd be a huge new conspiracy culture, like yeah. surrounding the aliens and the alien disclosure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. But I'm even thinking, even if you were allowed to see it, how many people would then go and question what they saw and who was behind it? And the reason why I like to ask this question is because, you know, the the whole disclosure thing to me has so many different scenarios that could play out, yeah. and none of them. None of them do not involve complete anarchy on the part of the public. You know, they all involve the public going crazy. Right? Well, I yeah, <laughs> I think. I've tried to come up with scenarios where they could pull it off where it wouldn't, like, freak everybody out. Like, I think if they uh, – I feel like they're setting us up to find something out there like a worm or something. So that'll be like one thing, you know what I mean? Where yeah. It's like, okay, it now it's to, possible. Yeah. Then I think they could also do one of these things where they're like, holy shit, the rover on Mars found, uh, it, it, it is a face. It is a face. But don't yeah. worry, they're all dead because they're not <laughs> here anymore. But they were around. So wrap your minds around that for a generation, and then we're going to tell you that they're actually still coming around. But don't you think that a big chunk of a segment of society would start flipping out because asking, you know, do they believe in God and Jesus, or are they Muslims, or are they Republicans? Or I mean, I cannot see any scenario in which the public doesn't tear itself apart. I, well, that's says that that's, when they win a, a, you know, the Stanley Cup or <laughs> yeah. the World Series. That's why you got to go with the "they're all dead" move, because then that you can't, then people can't be like, "We need to convert them to Christianity." It's like, dude, I'm sorry they died, so you can pray for but them, then, but they're dead. So, you know, so that, like I said, we say they're not, de- they're not dead. We're being lied to. Oh, Mark of course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But <laughs> we, but we call those people crazy. <laughs> we call, we say, yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. you crazy? No, they're dead, dude. Look, the, they, they sent the rover to the ruins, and there's no one there, man. You know, and you know, like yeah. I said, the, the sucky part, though. They're is, gone. They left. Yeah, like <laughs> the, the the really annoying part in a way is like, you know, it's. It's humbling. Uh, look, you know, we've been talking for a decade, and we still don't know the answers to any of this shit. And it's like we don't. Yeah. That's why I think 
this is such a slow burn that they may just drop something like that on us, and and you, and you and I are going to go to the next level of of existence or whatever, and never actually get to see any interaction with whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's like this is such a slow burn. It feels like yeah. What do you think the entertainment and because this drives me nuts when people say this, and I do know that that, that it can happen. That you know you hear people say, well, the entertainment industry is being used to to slowly reveal the truth. But I'm in the entertainment industry. I write stuff for TV and film, and I, you write what you what what you like and what excites you. Nobody's telling me or anybody else specifically get this UFO information out. Now I do know that that right. has happened in the past, but I think that that's such an a broad stroke statement um, that plays into, you know, the conspiracy theory of every movie you see has some truth to it. No, I mean, you know, The Last Starfighter was just a fun movie. (laughs) Right, right. But this really bothers me because um, playing into the third UFO story, that this Bigelow oh, yeah, guy? We haven't got to this one yet, yeah? Yeah, you know, the story. big billionaire Robert Bigelow? Oh, wow, you He's are like, up on because the guys yeah, in the chat room are like, ask her about Robert Bigelow, I'm like. <laughs> I mean, okay, so he's convinced they're here. Well, you know, a lot of real high-profile figures have said things like that, and, you know, I guess he, he has inside information and uh, has the money to find out. So... I don't know. He he has yeah. They're developing stuff to send people out in space. I don't want to go out in space. I'm sorry. You don't want. Oh, I, I hate to break it to there. you. Right? I I said this to somebody else before too. We're not. It's, it's on the same lines as like seeing the aliens and shit. I hate to break it to you, Marie, but I'm pretty sure you and I aren't going to fucking space. I don't you want know? to. Your kid might get to go, but we're not going to space. Yeah, there's no, just not enough time. There's just not enough time, dude. Yeah, they're not going to be able to perfect what they're doing. But anyway, he claims that the, they've come to Earth, that there's existing extraterrestrials here. But, you know, it's funny because if you read the actual story and the actual stuff he says, he's not saying, oh, I went out to dinner with him last night. That's and what I, I, I believe, yeah. I posted that on Facebook moments before the show started because somebody was, uh, my friend Jeff Ritzman was criticizing um was, was saying the ET hypothesis. He's like, I don't care what Bigelow says. The ET hypothesis is bullshit. And it's like, and I said, in fairness to Bigelow, he was, seemed like he was really careful with his words in that interview. And I think if you go back and look, it's like he didn't really, he didn't babble on like a lunatic like you'd expect a UFO buff to do. You know what no, I mean? He's, he's not like Tom DeLonge. He, he didn't pull a Tom DeLonge. Oh, the rock star guy. What's up with that? That one I haven't been following close enough. He's got, what does he claim? He has some big disclosure information and he's worried somebody's going to kill him or something? I don't think he's worried someone's going to kill him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he says he has, he's he's trying to dig into the UFO truth. A lot of people think he's being used for a disinformation campaign, but I've only, I only really kind of scratched the surface of that story because it it sounds like a much ado about nothing, much like most of these. Well, and that's the other thing. To get back to the, go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, I mean, how do you know any of these people haven't been fed? information, false information, true and whatever. Now, Robert Bigelow, obviously, he's got the money and the power to say whatever he wants, but when I first saw it, just like you, I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And then when I read the actual interview, it was like, oh, yeah, it's not really saying much. 
But the reaction to it on Facebook was as if he sat and had lunch with the reptilians. Well, that's the that was the frustrating part in a sense. It's like, to me, I didn't understand. It's like 60 Minutes. This is like National News. You've got, you've got this multimillionaire like guy who's invested a ton of money, millions and millions, he said, in this thing. And he's certain that it's real. And it's like, you know, fuck, like... Dude, I, it's cool you're designing inflatable space shit, but let's yeah. get back to the fucking millions and millions of dollars you put into finding out about UFOs and tell us what right. you know. It's like, what kind of fucking journalists are you, dude? You know, that should have been the story. They buried the lead. So yeah, to me, it was crazy. like, and he, I said, I if you read what he said, I feel like he he said presence. To me, the word presence stood out. That he was trying to like that that it that it's more than just aliens that it's more than just like the standard shit you know what I mean it seemed to be yeah. like he said like maybe they're involved in government uh, you know the high parts of society and everything but he never got specific that's the problem right right yeah <clears throat> other people were getting specific for him so. yeah yeah and it was like the question I have is like was that like, why? Why didn't he get specific? You know what I mean? Like, why didn't he get specific? Um, I have no idea. He could go in a million directions there with that. You know what well, I mean? Well, two it's, reasons, Tim. Either he doesn't really know, and he was just stating that he thinks they're real like a lot of us do. Right, you know, Or he knows, and, he, you know, it, it's not information that the public would handle quite well, or he was told to, you know, to keep his mouth shut. I mean, I think those are the only two reasons why and it same thing goes with disclosure you know either the government knows everything and it's bad either the government knows everything and they're working with them or either the government doesn't know anything now all three of those scenarios really suck right <laughs> right well for all the people for us as the public <laughs> for all the people who were like clamoring for disclosure and and like hang their hat on this on that interview and everything it's if you go back and look at some of the stuff he said in the past, he's not a proponent of disclosure. He says he's a proponent of uh, confirmation, which is a different sort of idea in a lot huh. of ways. And if you look at what he said in that interview, that's what he was doing. Yeah, He, he was confirming that this shit's real. He didn't go, yeah. hey, this shit's real. He said he, – he, he confirmed it in a way that it's like I guess you have to take his, his word for it, but, you know, somebody needs to ask – like. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you just can't drop shit like that out there and not. No, I'm sure that <laughs> people now are like, could we have a follow-up interview? Right. <laughs> Clarify right. a couple of things. Yeah, that was trippy. And then there was another one I found too, but I did not read the whole thing yet because I found it like right before we talked. The Rendlesham Forest incident, which I always felt was one of the most legitimate and had, you know, so many witnesses that were credibility up the yin-yang. Well, apparently now Peter Robbins revealed that he believes former U.S. Airman Larry Warren's account of the incident near RAF Bentwaters in Suffolk in 1990 was not true. Yeah, that's that's all that I saw. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to look into that because I remember Jenny Randall, who I think is a consummate researcher. I remember reading all her books about uh, Bent Waters yeah. and everything that happened there, and and you know, and then for years it it felt like it held a lot of its credibility over the years. 
so now when you hear something like that, you start to wonder about every case. All of the cases that we think have really contributed to the little knowledge that we have today. Yeah. You know, are are they all just a complete sham? Is everybody lying or is it, you know, everything bullshit? And then it's like, now we're back to square one. <laughs> we're starting over. Talk about disclosure. Now we're back to square one. I truly believe that they exist. I mean, my father was a scientist. He was a geophysicist. He believed that they exist, that, you know, extraterrestrial civilizations existed just by the sheer number of planets and, and now parallel universes and that are out there. It would be incredibly foolish to think otherwise, but, you know, they don't have to be human. And not they don't even have to be reptilian. I mean, they can be amoebas. Yeah. But it's what is it's 2017, and we still don't have really valid proof. Something's up. So either there's really nothing to go on, or there is the most incredible cover up, and we have to figure out what little stuff is trickling out. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something going on, but. It's like the, we just, you know, the UFO field is like a day late and a dollar short, like all the time. Well, yeah, and then they start to, you know. They they get bring religion and, and, you know, this sort of they're going to save us aspect into it, which I see no proof of. Right. Uh, We're facing some of the biggest challenges as a species that we ever have since we started walking on this planet. Well, First of all, where are they? Second of all, why on earth would they want to save us? You know, why? <laughs> I don't understand. I think that they maybe want to observe us kind of the way we do with animals out in the wild. They want to study or learn what we're like. But I don't know that they're the cops that are out to save us. And <laughs> yeah, they yeah. are. Well, it's just, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm an atheist, borderline agnostic. <laughs> I, I waver between the two. And I, you know, I don't want to get into a religious discussion, but I have those similar thoughts about, well, if there's a God who's going to save us, he's a little late, you know. Right. But I don't see evidence of alien interference unless they're assholes. Yeah, <laughs> or that's they're true. Just idiots. They're yeah, not really or just saving cold, the planet. like, or they're, on, or they're like <laughs> sociopathic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that they don't, they treat us the same way we treat like animals and shit. Yeah, that's true. Like I love the the TV that TV series V, you know, where you had all the wealthy and powerful people that were in collusion with the reptiles. Mm, that that I could see that happening, but I don't know. Yeah, that was a good show. So so we, you and I have both just decided that there's really no valid proof of anything either way, and yet there are people out there that are insisting they know the truth. And well, of course. Well, it, yeah. Well, it irritates me because it's like just then just, I, you know, I talked about this uh, um, with Adam Davies last week in a sense where it was like these people who say they cohabitate with Bigfoot. It's like, dude, you can, I'm all more power to you. Like that, you can cohabitate with Bigfoot and shit. Just do the world a favor and take a fucking picture of it once. <laughs> you know, once. I see the greatest reality show about me and Bigfoot. Oh my god. 
They should do a show like that, yeah. That the fucking person who says they live with Bigfoot, and then they go out and leave yep. little bowls of food for them and shit, and the Bigfoot never shows up, and they just, yep. you know, it's like a completely Bigfoot one-sided toilet seat up. conversation. <laughs> yeah. That's a great idea. I should do that as a YouTube <gasps> series. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons why I actually am moving more towards fictional things, because, you know, you can have fun. You can have more fun with the possibilities and, you know, in nonfiction, obviously you're sort of stuck in certain parameters. Yeah. Um, But it's just crazy because the realities that we're seeing around us are stranger than fiction. I mean, I am just so disgusted with these shows about, you know, we're going to go hunt and shoot Bigfoot. Really? Really? Why? Why would you do that? You know, what is, is, what's the point of that? <laughs> oh, and you know, yeah, yeah. Well, that's like such a tough guy thing too, where it's like I just I'd like to see you encounter Bigfoot and then shoot it. You well, know, you I don't think they've ever. Isn't there a show literally called Killing Bigfoot? I think there I think is. there is. Yeah, and it caused a bunch of controversy. It's like really. Who I would love to know. Yeah, there's a lot of these. If anyone can tell me the exact, I'll, well, we have Lauren Coleman on next week. He'll know exactly how many of these. Uh, how many of these fucking shows there are. There's got to be like six yeah. to eight of them now. Some of them die off, and then they bring in even more stupid ones, like ghost hunting chefs, you know. They're going to find the ghosts, and then they're going to Oh, yeah. Them, this is, right? yeah. I'm not, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've, like, they're, they're doing demographic, yeah, they're doing these demographic uh, ghost hunting shows that just seem so transparent, and it's like, I think they have a gay ghost hunters one now. I know they have a black no, ghost hunters. They one have now. a black one, yes, yeah. yes, for sure. They need a Mexican one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I have Mexican relatives, so I can say that. I know, I know. I was, <laughs> I was already, I was worried. Yeah. I, hey, I'm all for all ghost hunter shows, folks. So don't get right. on my case. What I'm saying is, it's we, insanely yeah, transparent. It's like you're just reaching for any idea for a show you can come you? up with. <laughs> You do not discriminate according to race or creed. Exactly. But, oh, exactly. good heavens. So now you can kind of see why you know, I'm kind of burn out on on all of it. And I get, I keep saying I'm never going to write another nonfiction book. And, of course, I have two coming out this year, and then I have one next year. But they're, the one next year is uh, it's a, it's about the natural and man-made disasters and how to survive them. Yeah. <clears throat> because I'm trained and all that stuff. And I thought, you know, it'd be really cool to write a book that's really comprehensive. That's an emergency survival manual. And uh, I'm having a lot of fun with that because I'm sick of running into people who don't have a clue what to do in an emergency. And they end up risking not their own life, just their own life, but yours too. So yeah. that has nothing to do with uh, the archetype book I have coming out in July is more... I don't want to say metaphysical, but it really kind of came about from my watching The Walking Dead and trying to figure out why the show is so successful. Yeah. And realizing that, like, Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, these really successful movies and TV shows have archetypal characters. And, you know, I don't know if it's forced on the part of the writers or it just happens naturally, but once you see it, it's like you can't unsee it. Is this like the Joseph Campbell type stuff? Yeah, you know, there's these universal symbolic characters that show up that we... The reason why a show like um, The Walking Dead, for example, 
is so successful is because each one of those characters represents a different archetype, a different universal symbolic character, the hero, the anti-hero, the villain, the, the you know, innocent, <clears throat> the warrior, the goddess. All You could just go through the whole show and pinpoint those characters, and we really respond to those. So, so that's not really paranormal. The demon book, on the other hand, was a, that was really mind-blowing because I was asked to write a huge, almost encyclopedic book on the history of the devil and demons. So I got to go back to their origins, which really have nothing to do with the paranormal, and, you know, how over time all of those concepts became with. So when I go online now and I see people arguing over stupid things in the paranormal, and I'm thinking, you don't even know the, the origin of that concept. Yeah. How, how are you calling something a demon or this or that or, you know, using this word evil when you have not even researched the origin of those concepts? Well, tell me a little bit about the origin of these concepts so people can edu- you know, ed- educate themselves a tad. Basically... And I mean, the book is gigantic. It's, I'm sure. Uh, it's like 450 bits. It's the biggest. Jesus. Uh, it's a different publisher. It's Visible Ink Press, and their books are like twice as long as the books I normally write. So I literally cover everything about demons, the devil, fallen angels that that is possible to cover. Wow. All the way up to modern times, modern Satanism and, um, you know, everything. But... One of the things I really am obsessed with is trying to find the origins of things, and especially words, because if you go back and look at how words and phrases originate, you can often get incredible clues that point to what what they are. And the concepts of evil came from the very first human being on a planet where some things seemed to benefit them and some didn't. And they, you know, found a way to describe the things that benefited them, like finding prey, food, yeah. or shelter. And the things that scared them that they didn't understand, like hurricanes and, and earthquakes, and they were bad. And we began to label, and we began to categorize. Thus was born duality, good and evil. And that's where it all began. And then I really traced through all the different religions and you know, um, the historical eras, civilization, to see how we got to where we are today, where everything is Christianized. You know, demons are Christianized, and fallen angels are interchanged with this and that and the other thing, and then you have the jinn, and it just, it's so mind-boggling. But the truth of the matter is it all came from primitive man trying to figure out nature. That's it. That's the bottom line. Interesting, interesting. But it took on a life of its own. It's like a literal sort of tulpa in a sense. Oh, hell yeah. You know? and, then, and I'm sure and then, people get mad when I talk, when people mention <laughs> That's a complete well, sort of gonna, grave I'm, word. I'm but yeah, get, you know what I'm, I'm saying? It's like, well, mind, like mind over matter yeah. or some shit, you know? It's like they, it's I'm, conjuring. It's conjuring. Well, that's such a later attachment on the concepts. And I'm going to get a lot of shit for writing this book. My job was to be objective, and I asked. There's a whole chapter in there about modern Satanism. Now, I know a lot of Satanists. I know 
guy, I have known a lot of men from the Church of Satan. Don't ask me why. When I wrote, <laughs> it's, it's weird. When I wrote science, I started to get approached by guys from the Church of Satan or um, Satanic Temple, blah, blah, blah. And they're not what you think. They don't kill babies and have blood sacrifices, you know. And I talk about that. There would be a lot of people that get pissed off at people. Um, but I have been around these people, and they love their their big believers in science, which I think is why they liked my book, Science. Um, but one of the most interesting things was to really find out that that whole section of society that does, you know, kill and do all that, those are extremists. Well, guess what? We have extreme Christians. We have extremist Muslims. We have extremist Jews. There's even extremist Buddhists. Come on. It's, but they're not, they don't represent true Satanism. Now, if I say that to someone just sitting down having lunch and a conversation, they're going to think I'm nuts. Yeah. But it is the reality, when you look at the history of how everything developed, it's it's pretty amazing. And then I go through the whole, you know, the, the witch burnings and the inquisitions and just show how over time the devil became this, that, or this other thing when really it it was just a representation of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, yeah. Ah, quick announcement for two of Greendale's finest. Payday is postponed until next week, so this is my freestyle rap apology. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Well, I'm a peanut bar, and I'm here to say your checks will arrive on another day. Another day, another dime, another rhyme, another dollar. Another stuffed shirt with another white collar. Criminals, Wall Street, taking the pie, and all the black man gets is a plate of white lies. Prisons recruiting them, police be shooting them. Rap artists looting them, labels all diluting them. Barack Obama is scared of me, because I don't swallow knowledge, and I spit it for free. Let me clear my throat. <laughs> I don't know what that was, I don't. I don't know what that was. So do you not, like, believe, I guess you could say, in sort of, like, the idea that there's fallen angels and demons and things of that nature, like, uh, sort of, um, you know, <laughs> playing a hand in this in this world of ours? Or do you think that it, it's sort of just something that is a superstition almost? It, that's, okay, so I'm never going to say that I don't believe in anything because who knows? Yeah, I that's when you get attacked surprised. by a demon, yeah. Right, yeah. Everybody warned me that I was going to be attacked writing the book. Nothing happened. My computer broke a few times, but it does that whenever I write. Like during Mind Wars, oh, my God, the writing of that book, that was worse. I had to cover up my web camera and, Jesus. you know, that that was bad. Um, but I was really kind of scared even though, I mean, I grew up Roman Catholic, so I knew about those concepts and those beliefs. And as a atheist slash agnostic, the waverer, um, I, and someone who goes back and looks at how things originate, I realized I was afraid of somebody else's idea of what those things are. And so nothing, you know, nothing happened. Nothing bothered me. Is it the power of belief making all those things manifest for other people? That very well could be. I've written a lot about that. Um, but if you go back and you look at where fallen angels originated and where that whole idea started, it's not what people think. 
And then you see the progression of how these things got really out of hand. I mean, there are still people that think that, you know, that Satan, Lucifer, the devil, that they are, that entity is interchanged a lot, but they all have different origin points. And yeah. Lucifer, who everyone thinks is evil, was, according to myth, a beloved light. It, really, a lot of people think it was a representation of Venus, the morning star. Yeah. And so there's all that stuff where after you see that, after I researched it and I see it, it's like I have no fear. I don't believe demons are running around, but at the same time, there's a little teeny tiny percentage of me <laughs> that leaves it open. <laughs> right, right. Because in a parallel universe, you know, in the multiverse somewhere out there, there could be a million demons, you know. <laughs> I yeah. always, I mean, I'm the daughter of a scientist, and I'm always going to lean on the side of common sense, um, you know, wanting to know how things began, because that's so telling. And yeah. sometimes it totally negates your belief in something. Yeah, well, it definitely... It colors your whole outlook on life. When I was younger, I read the Bible from cover to cover. I'm still proud of it. So it's like not for any real religious reason, just kind of for that, what you're talking about. Yeah, curiosity. Me too. I did the same thing, and I've read it a million times. And it's like, oh, my God, this person, these people needed editors really badly (laughs) because of the inconsistencies and the – you know, but it is like a beautiful book of mythology and – old-time urban legends even, where there is truth buried within uh, fiction. There's just like myths, just like Roman and Greek and Nordic myths, there's truth buried in those stories. Those were the stories that those people told of their life experiences and of what was going on around them because they didn't have the scientific vocabulary and knowledge that we have today. So a volcano, holy crap, was a, a, a demon, a monster, a beast, a god who was pissed off and angry. Now we know a volcano is a volcano, and we know how it works. That's a good so, segue to the super volcano book. Did you do that on purpose? I I did. I'm so clever. <laughs> well, That's so we're all going to die now. I'm just kidding. So you do have the, the super volcano <laughs> book is coming back up. Well, it is. It's out. It's. I actually had from my original publisher after my dad died because I wanted to update it, mm-hmm. and um, I updated it a little over a year ago. I should, probably should do it again. What do you think of that Italian? Uh, the stories about the Italian Super Bowl. Oh, you know, there one. There could be one that goes in our lifetime, or they could act up for decades and yeah. never quite blow. And the problem with supervolcanoes is we don't know. The last one was 28,000 years ago in New Zealand. Okay, we don't know all of the little steps that led up to it. We know some. We can look at the, the geologic record and we can see, oh, wow, you know, a year before the soil shifted or whatever and there was more carbon dioxide or this or that. There's microquake swarms and bigger, bigger quakes. We know some of the things, but we have not been, there's been no written record for us to say, here's the 10 things that happened before a supervolcano erupts. Let's check them off now. We don't even know that about Yellowstone. 
Right. So we're kind of going on just half the information that we have. But none of them seem to be ready to go. And they that they can tell by the amount of magma that is building up in the calderas below, which you can, you know, they can see. Yeah. And even with Yellowstone, there's a lot of activity. There always has been. There's earthquake swarms. Sometimes they have fives and sixes. But there's no reason to believe that within our lifetime that it's going to get to that sort of boiling point. Um, but again, there, you know, for my dad, like when we were writing the book, he was saying there's probably super volcanoes in the deepest parts of the ocean that haven't even been mapped yet. They could be ready to go next week. What would happen if a super volcano underwater blew up? That would be really messed up because not only would you deal with all of the debris, but you're dealing with the water displacement. Would it shoot? Would the would the would the would the um, would the blast like shoot out of the water? You think, or would it be yeah. mute, or would it be muted by the water? Well, some of it would be muted, but that water's got to go somewhere. Right. So the right. water would become displaced and part of the debris and the problem with that would be your coastal communities like a monstrous you know, tsunami a super monstrous tsunami. tsunamis yeah that's a movie or, right there super volcano I goes know. off underwater god sci-fi channel yeah that's a huge so, one, yeah but it's just like they keep telling us here in southern california you know be ready for the san andreas be ready for it to go it could go next week it could go in 30 years okay thank you it's like <laughs> aliens landing these things. I know. <laughs> Just live your freaking life, my God. <laughs> um, but actually, the the super volcano that was more to Central California, just by the fear, the the fact that it's closer to a lot of urban areas, and it's possibly tectonically linked to the San Andreas. So if we have our big earthquake here, if we have an eight, it could trigger the Long Valley eruption. Yeah. And that, that you know, my dad and, and some of his colleagues felt like that was the real threat. Yellowstone secondary. Yellowstone is located in a very rural area. Yes, there'd be millions of deaths. Maybe not millions. No, not millions. Uh, there would be a lot. There would be a lot. But because, like, the 500-mile radius of where most of the deaths would occur that's going to be much worse here in Southern California, Central California. Oh, for sure. <clears throat> so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I wish my dad had lived long enough because we were going to do another book. And, what were you going to do? So much information. He wanted oh, another super. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying, yeah. Well, no, he wanted to write a book. My dad died of ALS. Oh, I'm sorry. Four years ago. Yeah, and let me tell you something. Nobody in my family ever had any such thing. I remember a time when maybe one in every gazillion person got ALS, and now it's like rampant. That's a whole other discussion. What the hell? So anyway, but he, he had it. My dad was working on a microquake theory that had to do with you know leading up to massive uh, mega quakes, and he never had the chance. He wanted to get it into a, a mainstream book so that the public could understand what the theory was. Yeah. And he never had a chance. Now, it's possible, and I don't have any of my dad's things, and still, after all these years, his wife has boxes of his books and research. There could be stuff in there when she gets it to me that 
I might be able to do something with. Yeah. But he had a theory that he was working on. Also, my dad worked for about 15 years with uh, on climate science, climate change, and he worked for DARPA for a while. Wow. <laughs> the bad guys. Well... And he told me what it was. When he was dying, he he confessed everything. And I mean, it was, I I mean, I don't think he was lying, but it was uh, really more about trying to change and alter weather patterns than these weird conspiracies that, you know, they're trying to poison us or whatever. Alter weather patterns how? With geoengineering. Now, now, according to my dad, geoengineering was going on since the 1970s, and it was meant to help offset pollution. Is this chemtrails? Chemtrails to a degree, yeah. Um, and, I, and I wanted to write about chemtrails many years ago, and nobody would touch the, the proposal that I put together. Yeah. So now you have a lot of people. I, my son and I, when my son was a baby, we actually were outside. Um, I was on the phone with someone, and some planes were going over, and we had a white powder that dropped on us. Jesus. Yeah, uh, weird. And within the next three days, my son and I were very sick, and so were all of our neighbors. Now, were they dropping pesticides because we lived in an agricultural belt? Were they over, overflying? Yeah. Um, were they seeding the clouds? Because apparently they seed them with all kinds of stuff, including aluminum and you know, these different chemicals. And it just, again, they overshot a residential area, whatever. But that was, and my son is now 16, so he was a baby. So that was like, what, 15 years ago? Yeah, that was like I'm 2002 or something. In that. Yeah, because I, I had him in my arms and I was on the phone. So he had to have been very little. So your dad said that he, so he was he knew about this. He was involved in the project or whatever. For the last fifteen years of his life, he was semi-retired. He was working as a consultant. He was the geophysical consultant on the Yucca Mountain Nuclear Waste Project. Mm-hmm. In fact, my father was one of the key people who said, "Do not bury the nuclear waste under Yucca Mountain." Because of the ground, the closeness, proximity to groundwater, yeah, could have killed an awful lot of people had there been a major earthquake or what have you. He was working on uh, climate science and trying to offset some of the damage of global warming. Human being, yeah, yeah. And wow. he made me before he died. He made me take courses through like Columbia University and all kinds of online universities in climate science so that I could talk to people yeah. um, intelligently about it. So I did that for several years. And Crazy. Then I just was like, and I really wanted to write about that stuff. But, you know, it really pisses me off because I don't have a PhD. I'm a college dropout. But I have one hell of a researcher. And yet there's such a stigma of, you know, allowing yeah. someone like me to write a book. That's without ridiculous. a PhD after my name. Well, yeah. you should write one about the just sort of geoengineering. I mean, that would be a good book. I wanted to, and um, a few years ago I thought about it, and then there's been quite a few that have come out. That have, uh, a couple of them are excellent. And that's, you know, I mean, there are, there are people out there, whether it's in ufology or the paranormal, that are doing such 
great research that for me to write about UFOs, why? There's guys, and you know, men and women out there doing a great job. For me to write about interdimensional entities, how could I possibly do any better than David Weatherly? My God, you know. Right, right. There are people out there, and it was the same thing. I looked at some of the chemtrail books. Um, there's one uh, Ilana Freeland wrote that was so well-researched. It didn't. It didn't have a super mainstream bent to it, but she was a, a well-known journalist and still is, and it's a great book. So I thought, you know what? I wanted to write a book called Toxic Shock about all the poisonings in our water, air, and food, and what have you. Yeah. And and nobody would look at me, even though I had written Super Volcano and, you know, yeah, and yeah. It's written science about quantum physics. It's well, just, maybe the idea is like people don't oh, want wait. people. They're afraid people don't want to read a a book that's going to scare the shit out of them. Like, I mean, some people do, but more people don't. Like, they don't want to read something that's that is that they should I, yeah, read. That they I should read. That. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, that's I, something I that Lisa and I talked about. She said, you know, these books are they should be out there and they should be read by everybody. But a lot of publishers don't want, you know, that they're just so negative and frightening. And it's like even with with the demon book, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of scary crap in that, but I think it's fascinating. It's our history. Um, but when you're telling people how they're being poisoned and this and that, yeah, they at Mind Wars, for some reason, took off and is very successful and great reviews and, you know, people rave about the book. And I think that book is more terrifying than anything. Well, mine uh, was great. I, yeah, I can see why they would like it because it's like, it's a very, it's sort of, in a way it's like empowering in a sense, even though it's scary. It's, really, it's empowering yeah. where it's like there's more to meet to the you eye. Know. You've got to know what's going on, people. But I think when it comes to your food and water and things like that, people just feel like, you know what, this is just too much. I'm not going to change the way I eat right? and and the water I drink and, you know, I'm not going to change too much of my life. And that's where you get that big wall, that disconnect. So, And also, you know, one of the things about nonfiction that's really tough to deal with is the fact that people just assume they can get all the information they want for free on the Internet. Yeah. And they're not going to buy your book. You know, oh, I can get that for free, even though they won't because they're too lazy. There's just that assumption. And I know a lot of my colleagues, you know, we don't sell zillions of books because of that. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who thinks you make money on books in this field is like, I mean, you can't. You've got to write a bunch of them. That's that, why I have that's to the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. People like, folks like Marie and Nick Redfern, people who have this immense talent to produce these books, they can they can make a run at it. But someone who just, like, bumps out a one-off book is like, you're not... Oh, you can't. You're crazy. (laughs) I mean, I have 16 out, and I'm out of ideas. I've pitched a million ideas to um, two of my publishers. And, no, we've already done that. Oh, and it's like, you know what, forget it. Now, what are you doing in the entertainment industry now? Because I know you're, like, pretty serious in the entertainment industry. Let's talk about that. Well, here's the thing. I started out doing that. And and a lot of people just assume I've always been writing nonfiction, but I actually started out writing short stories, screenplays in my 20s, novels. And I, you know, I, I lived in L.A. and I went and I had producers and I had screenplays optioned this, that. 
and then I did I move to I think I moved to San Diego at that point. And all of a sudden, I just thought, I'm going to write a nonfiction book. I've never done it. I want to see what it's like. And that was 16 years ago, maybe. Maybe a little sooner. Yeah. And, then I, and then it just took off. And I didn't stop because I kept, you know, it kept working. Except I kept feeling like, oh, I, I really want to go back to the fiction because it's so freeing. You can really just. You could talk about all the same stuff that you're doing in your nonfiction, but you can do it with freedom. Right, and yeah, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, sometimes people absorb truth mm-hmm. better when it's in the guise of a story. And oh, absolutely, yeah. And figures. So a few years ago, I told my manager, I said, I'm really, I really want to try to transition. That was two years ago. So... I started to transition over, and last year, really, you know, we worked hard to get me in front of producers, and I optioned a lot of material that I'm now, you know, own. I own the material, so to speak, that I pitch. I now have projects of my own that are being pitched out. And this year, um, like I said, I'm finishing one more nonfiction book, and that's it. I will then be... And I mean, this is your proverbial season ten. Well, if a great idea comes, I mean, I still have to promote the books I've written. They're always going to be there. And if another great idea stumbles across my lap, but honest to God, I've been racking my brain. What the hell am I going to write about that I haven't, Mm. or that somebody isn't writing better than me? Because I have so much respect for my colleagues. Yeah, there are a lot yeah. of people writing good shit. It's like, yeah, I agree. It's like it's hard. Yeah. You know, you come up with a good idea, but like before you can even really, you know, you start, you Google it or whatever, and you're like, ah, oh, shit, there's already a guy who's do it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's like I remember, you know, I thought, well, I'd love to write about, you know, interdimensional entities. Oh no, David Weatherly has that, and and uh, who else? Oh gosh. I'm totally blanking on the cryptozoology people that are writing about that and have been. And well, Nick Reffern was you know, the men in black and shit. Yeah, so that's kind yeah of it's, it's like I can't do that. These guys have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. What could I possibly offer them to do? And there's writers that will just do it anyway and rip it Oh, yeah, off. yeah. And that's I'm what gonna I was going to say. That. I was going to say that you know? to put you over because, yeah, there's a lot of folks who just churn out shit that's like another book on Rendlesham or something. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm good now. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, the, the latest yeah, Roswell the, thing. It's like, no. I pitched a book about three months ago on the Battle of Los Angeles, which I just absolutely find fascinating. And I thought, well, it's not enough to write a whole book, but I'll write a book about the Battle of L.A. and then military encounters with UFOs, and I'll make it really, you know, really entertaining, really fun. And I pitched it to New Page Books, and uh, Michael Pye, who's the director of acquisition, sent me back a catalog copy from their summer books with one that's coming out. Same exact thing. I thought, God dang it. Damn. So it's just so hard. There's nothing involving ghosts that I have not already dug into. Nothing. So I, I'm just stuck at this point. So I might as well go do something. So else. what can you tell yeah. us about some of these some of these projects that people might? It's all very, it's all very. I don't I don't know what what these stories are. Can you tell us anything about these? You like, mean the 
immersive film type of yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. What or? kind of what kind of fictional okay, so stuff are you working on? If you can tell us, I don't I, know how it works. I don't know how it works. I, yeah. So I, I have ideas, um, but I don't tell people. Them. I know you do. Yeah, you're you're supposed to tell me when. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's I've written we talk about. Off the air, yeah. We have to do that, yeah. I'd written about eight screenplays in the past, and so some of them I, you know, I take out and I updated them, and I, I have an agent, I have two agents that I actually work with, and they're being pitched. One of them, which is called Project Aurora, that I wrote with Bruce Lucas, one of my writing partners, will is supposed to go into pre-production in September. Or nice. Sometime this fall with Bright Frontier Films. So I'm working with on a million projects. Um, I have a project with them called Disclosure, <laughs> believe it or not. Are these like which, paranormally films? Um, a lot of them are. I did a I did a sitcom called Retrograde that has sort of a meta, metaphysical comedy bent. I have um, a horror. I just finished a television pilot script for a horror story that's sort of like a Lord of the Rings meets Hellraiser, if you can imagine that. Yeah. Um. So I teased oh, you online. Did you ever get in touch with Kendall Carver from the International Cruise Victims? You were the one, I think, who was. I feel bad. I was. I was. No, I was being interred online, the, so I was like, hey, cruise, Google him. You know what? <laughs> but you I let got, me know if you need info on that because I, I, I do. I do. I got totally sidetracked, and I had people giving me information. And it's just somewhere. So yeah, I do because I wanna. I do want to talk to a couple people. But um, one of my biggest projects, which is at Sony, and they're actually interviewing showrunners, is the history of the Maybelline Cosmetics. What? That's awesome. It is. I could see that totally going to TV. I could see that on my ABC, like, next season or some shit, easily. The most, there is, there's so much to that story of how that, I mean, that's the most successful cosmetic line, started in 1919. And the whole story involves murder, arson, you know, sabotage. It's like a real-life dynasty. Oh, everything you can imagine. Wow. And and that was the very first project that my manager gave me. And I optioned the story rights to one of the heirs of the uh, Maybelline fortune. And she is just this wonderful woman named Sherry. And... Every week, you know, we get like news saying, "Okay, Sony's, they're they're doing this, they're doing that," and it's like, "All right, then you wait six more months." And yeah. so we got word right before, well, a few weeks ago actually, that they were going to be interviewing showrunners, and the showrunner is literally the person who runs the series. Yeah. Okay. Like so I was going to ask dead. you, so you're not going to yeah. be the showrunner. What would, what would your oh, role God, be in no. this if it if it goes I would, to the series? Hopefully. <laughs> Um, get it's very, very rare and very, very hard to get actually to write the show because then you have to be on staff and I don't want to move to, back to LA and have to write the weekly shows but what I would like to do is be the creative supervisor or an executive producer where nice. I get to oversee it to, because I promised Sherry hmm. that I would do everything I could to make sure the story got told the right way and so and then I would hopefully get to write the pilot, the first episode, maybe a couple more. But I don't I don't want to be tied down to anyone because I've got her 
floating around everywhere. You say that and now, I, but if this thing becomes the next desperate house, oh, well, then of course, thing. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you take me for, Tim? <laughs> yeah, you're gonna need an assistant, so keep me in mind. I am, and yeah, and I'm working with a number of different co-writers on different things, and then this fall into the winter and into next year, I will be making my first independent feature film. How so? Are you gonna be, how, how are you, how are you I, making it? Are you the director, the producer, the I am writer? going to write and produce. I have uh, a young guy that lives here in San Diego that is a director, cinematographer, an unbelievably brilliant talent. He also is an actor. And we met through my ex-boyfriend, <clears throat> that I, who I'm still really close friends with, and We've been kind of going back and forth about, you know, how can we, maybe we could do something together sometime. And we finally just thought, you know what, he's got a studio, a physical studio, downtown San Diego, camera equipment, crew, everything. Yeah. And we said, why don't we make a, a feature, an independent film? We have our idea. We have, you know, we have our concept. I'm now going to outline and then I'll go to script and he and I will start getting together and block it out the whole thing so that's new for me that's something that I never wanted to do because I thought it was so incredibly intimidating and to have somebody who knows what he's doing and who's actually done it yeah. I think it's going it's to be a really interesting experience and it's a very you know very contained small cast most of it's going to take place in a, just one area because we have to we have to pay for it yeah so it'll be interesting. And uh, what's the name? Of the, what's, the, what's the, I was going to make it's a joke. I was going to no, hold on for the for the for the long time listeners. I was going to make a joke about Kramer's ketchup, which is the William Zabel uh, vehicle that he was telling us about a long time ago. So oh. it's, it's not it's not Kramer's no. ketchup, I assume. So no, what's, what's it's the, a, a working title of Fallout. Fallout, nice. And what Fallout. is it about? Let me guess. It's like about <laughs> after a nuclear disaster. But it, it's, but it it's is, like a like a like a, like a bottle episode, almost of a TV show. I mean, they're like in a house or something. It is a very, very, a very vaguely um, a story of people who implode as the world explodes. That's all I'll say. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. That's like the the line on the poster there. I like that. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. Um, and then what else do I have? Got all kinds of crap. I actually have stuff at Sony that they're looking at as a package deal. And I think that would be so cool if they would give me a package deal where I just come up with ideas for them and then they take them and they do what they will with them because I come up with way more ideas than I have time or energy to ever do anything with. Yeah. I still have four novels that I had promised myself I was going to get. I wanted to self-publish them, and that was like a year ago, and I still haven't even gotten around to that, so... We'll see what happens with that. Yeah, well, I'm I'm pulling for you, dude. I think that, like I said, that Maybelline one sounds crazy. So, what's yeah, the name of that? Can we, can we look it up? It's like, called, well, right now it's at Fade to Black. I think if you go on Fade to Black uh, Films, it's on their website, and they're the ones that are that have it at Sony for us. They're like the middlemen. It's called, I believe, it's still called Out of the Ashes. The, story of the Maybelline family. All right. Yeah, but it's just insane. The the story is just 
And even if you're a guy and you don't wear makeup, just the things, because it really followed the history of this country from the early 1920s, you know, through two world wars and the Vietnam War, and just absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. I see it here, yeah, it's in development, according to I am. And then I'm going to, I guess, certainly I'm joining the uh, the Church of Scientology from what they believe. <laughs> well, I, yeah, you said that on Facebook. You've been oh, getting some messages from, from the from the good mm. church. Ever since Mindgores came out. And the funny thing is, is that we didn't really even give the, you know, we've talked about cults in the book. It's about mind control and social engineering and surveillance and all yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you guys stuff. probably you didn't spend that much time on church. <laughs> no, but immediately following, I started getting all kinds of mail and letters saying, you know, that I had shown interest in joining and they're waiting for me to come up and interview and just very subtle. Like I talked to a couple of people that have dealt with them and they said, well, what they'll do is they don't come after you full bore. They just annoy you. They're the shit out of you <laughs> yeah. and annoying you. And some of the things that I've gotten have been, it's like, really? You know, you're going to go there? <laughs> what do you mean? Think, what, what do you get? Like I got a letter saying, you know, in 1994, you asked to, you asked for an interview or whatever. And it's like, no, I didn't. That's weird. It's total bullshit. You know, it, and it's, very personalized. I think on one of them they even had my nickname, which I thought was really weird. Yeah, you said that. Uh, yeah, yeah. When when I first started getting them, I was not at a permanent address, so therefore it wasn't with the DMV. It, there was no record of me being at that location. How they found it, if right. anybody guess. Do they come from, but, like, the San Diego chapter? No, they're all from the L.A. headquarters. Oh. I wonder what would happen if you, like, stormed in there all angry and were like, take me off your fucking I have been list. told not to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm wondering. What, what, would, ha- what would happen? Yeah. They'd probably no, be like, have, uh-oh. Yeah, I have been told just because I I thought, all right, well, I'm, I'm documenting everything. I post about it on Facebook. I tell people, and I keep the stuff. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it's not any kind of, like, pervasive threats or anything. It's just this very subtle, and from what I've been told, that's kind of what they like to do. Oh, Even so you know, lame. And I actually thought about writing back and saying, I never contacted, you know, that's not true. And somebody said, don't do it, because you're opening a door of communication. Don't do it. Just yeah. Don't respond. Don't call them. Don't Email, don't even mail back the shit they're sending you because you want to keep that, you know, in case anything happens. And I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I mean, again, I never, I didn't say anything that wasn't already out there. Right. But apparently, they keep watching, keep track of everything that's said and done, and they are very formally, uh, you know, that they, uh, what's the word? They're very concerned with anybody negatively of that. Yeah. So well, they seem like, at least on a public relations level, they seem like they're in like their death rows. <laughs> they're kind of yeah. No kidding. Huh? They're MUFON-esque. They're uh, <laughs> they're sort of limping limping along here in the 21st century, where everyone else is kind of like, what? That's a, that's so cute. That's adorable, except for yeah. the people who are still in it. 
But I, I wonder, uh, they are ruthless. Digger Dog says in the chat they are ruthless. They are ruthless. They're scary. I wonder, it, it, you, you can't do this. You probably shouldn't do this, but you definitely can't do it now because we're talking about it. But it's like, I wonder what would happen if you went there and you were like, thank you for, it's a sign. You reached out to me. And then, like, went undercover in Scientology. Like, How come no one's oh, done that Oh, God. Or, or, I or would do they just never... get absorbed into the cult, I wonder. I would never, you wouldn't see me again. I mean, I, that's, I don't know if you watch Leah Remini's series, but oh my God. So there was a story, I think it was last week, I don't know if you saw it, about how they found that the, the Scientology owned these like Cabins, buildings woods, yeah. all over the, with mental patients or they wouldn't let people leave. They were like men, mental institutions and stuff. That's the kind of shit they do. You know, yeah, take your way. Yeah, that's buildings. true. They could just take. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They yeah, like they would. They would have heard this interview, and then they'd be like, "Come to our, come to our retreat. You're you well, know, you're exactly up to level two, and then they're like, sit in this cabin for yeah. a minute, and the next thing you know, it's like 2023. Well, it's kind of like from what I've heard, if you go inside the barbed wire fences, you don't. A lot of times, you won't come out, and it's not that they're kill. They're going to kill you, but if you see anything or if you're exposed to anything, they don't want you running out there in the public. Right. So it's like the Roach Motel. People go in, they don't always come out. Exactly. Uh, that's just something I never wanted to mess with. I, I'm fascinated by cults. I see cult behavior. Well, I don't want to be I don't want to be cruel because I don't know I don't think it's a cult per se. But have you been to we'll we'll shift over to San Diego because I have a lot of uh, observations from my time there. Um, Except for hanging out with you, because you didn't have time oh, for I me know. in Hollywood. Don't. Oh, God. I had to shame I you once on the show. You have to, and you're not going to come back for another 10 years. I'm going to have to find a reason to get out there. <laughs> no, I really loved it, actually. I really loved it. I, I, I had kind of gotten sick of San Diego. Uh, I had been there like three years, two or three years in a row, and I was kind of like, eh. But my brother moved to a different part of the city, and... Uh, and the long absence was great because it was like everything yeah. was new again. But the to start out of what I was got me on that train of thought was, have you? I'm sure you have at some point, but like, have you recently, uh, just for a refresher, gone by the Inarius building? No, no. And I saw your picture. <laughs> yeah, oh, you should definitely so go. <laughs> it's really a lot of fun, and the people, the lady, she seemed a little standoffish, but. She was she was a nice lady, you know. So it's it's an, yeah. uh, for folks who don't know, Unarius is like this. Um, it's not a religion. It's a science, you know. They say they're not a religion, but they're sort of like an old fifties contactee group, essentially. Contactee. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And when I I had the pleasure of going to California a couple months about a month ago, and first we went to the uh, the Etheria Society in L.A., which is like insane and amazing, and. Um, the guy there was like this young guy. Uh, he was like 19, and he came from like Florida, and he moved all the way to LA to live at the Atherius compound. I don't know if you've been to uh, that place. Have you been to that Atherius? place? Atherius? No, yeah. I don't even know what it is. It's, it's another contactee group, and it's right in Hollywood. Like oh, it right... almost sounds like the Unarius Atherius. Was it all sound the same? Yeah. How yeah. Weird. So I did like a weird UFO contact detour sort of because I first I went there and it was really crazy. You can see the pictures on my Facebook. And then I went when I was down in San Diego, I was like, well, I've got this on the brain. So uh, I got I got to check out and I went there 10 years ago. So I'm like, I got to check this out. And yeah, it's really 
it's crazy. But when I went there, they said to the lady, to the lady, I was like, yeah, I just came from the Aetherius Society up in L.A. I was checking that out. So, it was, you know, you guys are kind of – and, oh, she didn't, you know. It was like, don't, don't compare us to them. We're, we're, and it was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Oranges. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they don't, like, think, you know, you're just a punk that's that's going to badmouth them. <laughs> <laughs> Which you probably do. Yeah, yeah. No, they're they're nice people. It was quite the interesting layout and shit. Have you ever been there? I think that I went to the. It's an. Is it an El Cajon or like? Yeah, yeah. El Cajon? I think I was there when I first moved to San Diego because I remember the weird rooms and the. Yeah, you should definitely go back when you yeah, have a, a free I day. Should, bring uh, your son. I bet yeah. he'd love. Well, it's funny because the things I've heard about them is that they kind of stick to themselves and, you know, that they are not cult-like in that they're recruiting or, right, right. you know, they have all the manipulation tactics. Church of Scientology does. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but no, I had heard that Unarius was really just almost like a spiritual, uh, you know, again, it you know, it's yeah. like a spiritual system. Or yeah. a metaphysical community or something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's, it's... And I just remember, you know, they were always on the news and people kind of making fun of them, but but in a nice way <laughs> because they weren't bad people. No, they no, no. They're not malevolent at all. They're actually like very, they're very well. This lady wasn't the nineteen, the nineteen-year-old kid and. Uh, the the guy with the Ethereum side, he was very welcoming and sort of like, you know, hello, hello. Well, they, well the woman in San Diego was very nice, too, but she seemed kind of guarded. Like, she probably gets this Is more often. Is it the awful. same lady that's been there forever? It wasn't the lady I saw 10 years ago, so I'm not sure. Okay. I had to compare the but, pictures, actually. Yeah, because I'm sure that lady's, because she was older, that she's probably dead. But I, I don't know. I, I guess I would just think that they are like, what you know, what the hell do you want? Why are you coming here? Are you You're just coming to gawk at her. Yeah, uh, are you, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't blame them for being a little bit standoffish. But the other, yeah, yeah, the one in L.A. was very. Uh, it was, they 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 have quite the layout. The Ethereum. Now, is that similar? Are they UFO kind of people, or what the heck? From is what their I could thing? gather about the Ethereum Society is they they sort of uh, adhere to sort of a world belief based on uh, sort of, I think the writings or the teachings or the con- or the channelings of uh, of a contactee from the from the fifties or sixties. I should have paid more attention, but it was like a month ago. And uh, yeah. they have like a battery that somehow is, is like inherently important to the system. Oh, um, how weird! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they bring the battery out like when they do stuff. And I think like <laughs> when they do like ser- ceremonies too? and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> So, oh no! They did a ceremony. You didn't even know it. You were out while they brainwashed you. They offered to let us come in for a <laughs> prayer ceremony, but then they had like already started, so it was like kind of awkward, and we were like, oh, no, because there was like fifteen of us, so it was like we're we'd probably be this. And, and when it and and when it broke up, like there was four of them, so it was like okay, we have like almost four times as many people as you have in, in at the prayer meeting. So oh my god, know, that's funny. Yeah. They must have thought, who the hell are these people? What do they want this big mob scene? <laughs> yeah. It was fun. It was a lot it was a lot of fun. It was oh interesting. Oh my god. Um, That's funny. Yeah. So I I did like San Diego a lot though. I would definitely Well I, come back. I wanna come back. <laughs> How about now do you ever go to the 
See, because it's like, I, I, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because I don't do any of this shit in Boston. But when I was in San Diego, I did all the museums and stuff. They have a lot of nice museums. You go oh, I know places. it. I've been when Max was little, when my son was little, and not since. It's funny. I mean, I'm literally one street drive down. It takes about 10 minutes, and I'm at the beach. I'm just inland from the beach. Nice. And I hardly ever go to the beach because you know it's there. You kind of figure out, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so we have, you know, we have the museums and we have SeaWorld and we have the zoo. We have up here where I am. I'm in the northern part of the county. We have Legoland, the wild animals, Safari Park. There's wineries. There's so much. I love living here. I would never live anywhere else. And I grew up in New York and I used to think New York was the only place I'd ever lived. But um, there's so much, all those different museums, and then Old Town, and just so much that you just always think, well, I'll make a day or two of it, and you never do. Yeah, so, no, I'm the same way with Boston. Yeah. So like I said, I can't. But I recommend if they still have it. They had one on cannibals at the. Uh... Oh yeah, they had one when I was I was there a few years ago. They had one on torture devices. Yeah, yeah. It was cool. Yeah. That was the thing I really liked about it because I went to Belboa Park and I was like, I went to the zoo first. Now, how often do you go to the zoo? <gasps> oh, I haven't been to the zoo in well since Max was little. We went on a field trip, so I would say probably eight years. Seven or eight years? I'm probably like a total asshole because I don't know if I would really do this, but I think if I lived there, I would go to the zoo like once a year, once or twice a year. It's but, so yeah, nice. I it's know. just so nice. I know it. I it know. really is but cool. That's for sure, you just start to take you take things for granted. That's I mean, how I know. That's life. It's, uh, yeah, I haven't been to a Padre game in forever when the Chargers were here. I, you know, never went to a game. I always thought, well, I'll go next year. I yeah. do. I'm a big horse racing uh Nuts, so I do go to the track. Really? That's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. But, yeah, and you know, and, and the thing is, is like, you know, who's going to go to the zoo with me? All my friends. They this is with what I was going to say, though. This so is what I, I was going to say. I need somebody to go with. <laughs> you say that, though, but I, I went alone to the zoo, and it was transcendent. Yeah, that was <laughs> It really was. And I, I used that word on purpose. It was that you were completely free to do whatever you want. You don't have to worry about anyone else like needing to go to the bathroom. Yeah. They're hungry. True. They don't yep. want to spend, they've seen enough of the giraffe. It's like, you, or they don't you want know. to see the reptiles. And, right. Right. Yeah. It's like, you can hang out at the hippo for a half an hour and no one is going <laughs> to, you know, That's people true. will stream That's past true. you and no one's going to say a word or anything. That was, you know, to me it was, and I'll say this folks, for people who, the ultimate sell job on the San Diego Zoo. I was like, they have little, you know, they have food and refreshments like everywhere. Yeah. And they serve beer. And I got, by the time yeah. I was on like my third beer, I, I spent like three or four hours there. It was that long because yeah. I just had the whole day. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to go to the zoo. So. It's great. It's a world famous zoo. And then that's where the I am. Number one zoo. Wild, yeah, we have the Wild Animal Park, which is out in the boonies. And it's, you know, they're all the animals are are all out doing their thing, and you take trams through, and um, so they're that's like the other half of the zoo where they're all out out in the wild. Ugh, can't talk, uh, which is funny though, because all the times that I've ever been to the wild animal park, the animals don't come out till night. So here you are on the tram, and there's where the giraffes usually are. You know, there's where the wolves. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. they're all. 
sleep. Well, um, what I was going to say is, so they have these refreshments at all the tables and yeah. uh, all these things. So by the time I was on my third beer, you know, I just was kind of making conversations. So I'm like, so I just got to hang out, you know, over at these little tables, you know, to finish the beer, right? And they're like, no, no, you can just go wherever you want with that. And it was yeah, like, this I, is better than a baseball game. Like, this was, you, can, oh, yeah. you know, you can walk around. People, <laughs> you know, ha- I, I must not have either, <laughs> either I'm extreme or it didn't dawn on other people because they would look at me and be like, what the fuck, well, the guy's got a beer. Yeah, this kind of zen. Well, what's funny is the best hamburger I have ever had was right outside the children's zoo. And I don't, I don't know if the stand is still there. Who knows? But at the San Diego Zoo, where the children's zoo is, there was a stand that was like right outside the where the children's zoo fence began or whatever. Yes. That had the best, honest to God, best hamburger Weird. I have ever had in my life. And whenever I say that, people, oh, please, oh, go to this. No, 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 you don't understand. I love hamburgers. I've eaten a lot of them. Yeah. It was insane. And Legoland, my sister-in-law is one of the managers there, so we get to go free all the time. Oh, nice. They actually have a stand there, too, that where the hamburgers are outstanding. And they're freshly grilled, and you would not think that of, you know, a place like that. You think they'd have the shittiest food around, but they don't because they want you to come back. And That's true, yeah. Yeah, but no, I haven't been to the zoo since my kid was little. I recommend these places. Check them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unarius, the zoo, and... Uh, oh, the museums. They always the museums, have yeah. stuff going on at the museums. Well, that yeah. was the... Yeah, because I, like I said, so I, when I was going to the zoo... I passed the cannibals thing, and I was like, well, that's what I'm doing tomorrow. I was like, this is crazy, you know. And then after I did that the next day, uh, they were so nice. I left the zoo. I probably had too much to drink. I went right to the cannibals, and they were like, we're closing in 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, so sure. here's your – I had already bought a ticket. They're like, here, just come back tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, oh that's thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I was like, I, I don't know if I would have – I saw some of your pictures, and I don't know if that that exhibit would have really gone over well with me. It was interesting. Oh my God. It was very interesting. Yeah, it wasn't as gross <laughs> as I would have thought, in a way. You I think know? it's so just it for good. skin crawling that there is enough cannibal stuff, you know, to make a museum display. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily they didn't like get in. They never. They never had anything about like crazy serial killers or anything. So that was good. Yeah. Um, it was more just like historical instances of uh, how it's come up over time. I thought it was really yeah. interesting. If I could find a good huh. guest to talk about it, I would really delve into it. But then, oh, you yeah, know, like after I left there, project. I was wandering around Balboa Park, and then I passed the Natural History Museum, and there's a giant, like, crazy-looking skull, and it's like, it just says skulls. And I'm just oh, like, you know. God. Just did, you were you in know, heaven. <laughs> yeah, I just pivoted. went right in. I'm like, well, I guess I'm doing skulls now. And then I saw all these crazy skulls. skulls. Was, Animals, you were in heaven. Yeah. You were in heaven. It was really cool. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, got the aerospace, the space museum, just the automotive museum. Oh, yeah, tons oh, of Oh, yeah, it just walked from one to the other. Yeah. Yeah. So you get the books coming out, what now, Archetypes in July. Our Power of Archetypes is July 21st, I think, around there. Demons, the Devil, and Fallen Angels is September, and then the Emergency Survival Guide will be sometime early next year. Nice. Yeah. And then you, then by then, you, a lot of these projects will be they'll continue simmering. So we'll see yeah, they that. will. They will. Yeah. It, it's you know, it's it, it's just really exciting. There's 
so many different things that are going on. There's different levels of this project is advancing and this one is going there. And, you know, I, I wake up in the morning, I check my email, and it's like, ah. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. I just, I'm a workaholic, and I am so driven that I can't, I can't sit idle. Do you work so, from home? Yeah. Oh, yeah. How and do you I deal with the with the constantly. sort of? I, I work from home. I find it kind of tedious sometimes. How do you? Do you have any tips? Work from home tips? No, because I'm really undisciplined. I I write, you know, in fits and starts. I have the TV going. I watch movies in between. I play with the dog and the cat, and you know, I hang out with my kid. I don't. I mean, a lot of people will say if you work from home close your door, don't let anybody in, put a do not disturb sign and be very disciplined. I'm the exact opposite. I need chaos in order to produce. Um, And I've been like that all my life. I think it's, you know, it's easy to get like I, you know, get on Facebook and spend too much time, but I've managed to somehow stay really productive regardless of that. (laughs) So probably really, you know, it is cut out the distractions. Yeah, it's hard, yeah. Well, the thing is, it's like, especially, yeah, it's like when you work on a computer, it's like, that is the, you know what I mean? It's like you can't help but be distracted. Oh, yeah, and then you get your cell phone, and people are private messaging me with, you know, crazy pictures and things. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I I have a lot of really strange Oh, people! Yeah, they're trying to like. Yeah. You're almost like a comedian in a way. They're trying to like. They're like, you think this? You think this crazy picture's good enough to get on your? Yeah, yeah. Really, <laughs> they do wall. now. Every the newest thing is everybody's trying to find me blind dates, and the worse the you know the better, because um, I posted a few really crazy pictures of strange guys and said, you know, I'm going on a blind date. See ya. So now I'm getting people messaging me pictures of. You know, guys from the '70s and little skivvy shorts or whatever. Somebody, a guy in prison. Here's your next blind date. It's like, okay, thank you. Oh yeah, I've seen your yeah, yeah. You post those, yeah. Yeah, my blind dates. But between that and um, just people contacting me wanting questions answered or how do you write a book, which is like, really, you think I'm going to answer that in a two-minute response? People write um, you asking how to write a book, huh? Jesus. Or can I meet you know? Can I meet your agent? No, I don't know who you are. You know, you you. What am I just going to show you to my agent? Yeah, just that's just stuff. odd. Well, I, have, I, I don't know how many friends you have on like, Facebook, so maybe uh, if people want to be your friend, uh, look her up and. Speak. I think I have ten spots left, but I get oh, rid no. of people often. I get rid of people all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah, I do too. If they say dumb shit that like, if they say crazy shit or any, if they just say, if they just say shit that I don't like. I'm just like, all right, you're out of here. You know, I don't uh, even because yeah. I talked to some. So I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, oh, so you unfollowed them? I'm like, nah, I just unfriended them. And I'm like, Jesus, yeah. right, dude, I don't take this that like crazy. Yeah. Well, for me, the big thing is, is if you insult me or degrade me on my own page, or you pick fights with people that are responding on my page, you're out. Yeah. You know, go to hell. <laughs> I, I'm not that tolerant of that kind of behavior, especially if I post something that's my opinion and you discount it. Right. Really? It's, it's just my opinion and you're telling me you're wrong. No, no, no. An opinion is an opinion. It's, it's not a right or wrong thing. It is a, it's my experience, you know, 
and well, you're telling me your experience is right and I'm wrong. It's like, no, no, not cool. So I have people get fistfights practically on my pages, and I'm thinking, Jesus. I don't go to your page and do that. What the hell? There's, That's just weird. no etiquette, yeah. Well, you can't I think even... because I'm female, they think I'm going to let them get away with it, but I don't. <laughs> That's right. You little yeah. pranksters. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it's just, I told you, I said at the beginning, it's just that the Facebook, I mean, I like it. Believe me, don't get me wrong, I, I like it, but it's like, it's really awful in a lot of ways. It's gotten awful, especially like, it's just too political. It's just too political. It's getting worse. I think I was talking to a friend the other day about how hostile everyone is. People are on edge. They're too sensitive. They can't take an effing joke. They've lost their sense of humor. Oh, totally. It, That's for sure. It's just, yeah, it's like, come on, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Grow a pair. Laugh at life. Yes, I'm still serious about the terrible things in the world, but I can also laugh at life. What's the What's the problem? Jeez. Right, right. Well, that's why I try to like be lighthearted about shit on my page too, because it's like yeah. you can't you can't like you know at times sometimes I would put something and then it would be like it would just cause feel you arguing on there about politics. It's like oh Jesus, dude, I don't want to deal with this shit. You know. It's and it's, nobody ever changes their mind because right. you know, somebody told them something that made them go, oh, wow, da da da, aha. Right, right. So don't even waste your breath. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Like, yeah, if you can argue with somebody on there, like write it out and then just delete it. I don't. <laughs> yeah. don't Show me facts. I want to see facts, damn it. <laughs> facts or alternative facts. That's the. Alternative facts. Jeez. Yes, that's true. Now, do you, without getting too much, I don't want to get into politics at all, but I just want to ask you what you think of just sort of like this world now we live in where everything is a fucking conspiracy. Like, have you noticed this? I think conspiracies exist by the sheer fact that the word simply means people that conspire to do things that are not done in public. Obviously, we know that that happens, especially in in politics and business you know, where a lot of money and power is involved. But not every not every school shooting is the Illuminati or, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, somebody trying to pass a gun control law or this, that, or the other thing, or somebody who's an MKUltra. That may, there have been some interesting school shootings and things where that may be the case, but people are just going to the extremes. That goes left, right, center. Absolutely, I uh, I was a Democrat for decades until fairly recently when I finally saw how corrupt the Democratic Party was. Right. <laughs> They're right. just as corrupt as their embassy because I lived by that identity politics and I woke up. I You know, somebody pointed out to me, da-da-da-da-da, and I was open-minded enough to look and say, holy shit, yeah. I am now an independent. And again, when it comes to religion, I'm... I, I'm agnostic at most, and I'm usually more lean towards atheism. Um, so what I've noticed, though, is when you do step back and detach, and you can start to see how both sides of the extreme are nuts. Oh, yeah. They're both crazy. corrupt. Yeah. They're, you know, and there are some really good people on both sides that are desperately trying to bring things back to some normalcy and common sense, but they're being drowned out by the lunatics. Right. Well, we've talked yeah. before about like, and this isn't even again. This isn't even like politics. It's like the, just the nature of reality and shit. It just seems like reality. Human is behavior. Oh my god. 
Like reality has gotten completely fucked up. And yeah, doesn't it seem that way? I thought maybe it was just me. I thought there seems to be a weird escalation of shitty behavior going on. Like everybody yeah, yeah. is just hostile and bitter and angry and and paranoid and 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 cynical. Paranoid. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's really yeah. There's a we need like a summer of love here, man. We need like a like a like a transcendent. I think it's moment. gonna happen. We're either gonna just fry ourselves, or we're gonna have to completely rebirth our humanity. You know, yeah. one of the two. Yeah, it feels like these are coming up on a on a tipping point. <laughs> that could I go hope one so. Way or the other. I hope so. Jeez, enough of this uh, high tension stuff. You know? Exactly. Now, where can folks find? What's the best place for them to find uh, Marie Jones online? Oh, my gosh. Well, Facebook, <laughs> well, I have two websites, mariedjones.com, and then my production website is com. And I'm on Facebook, Marie D. Jones, author. I'm on Twitter, Instagram is Marie D. Jones. So you can pretty much track me anywhere. I think on my website is all the links to, you know, social networking and stuff. Awesome. So mariedjones.com. Yep. Awesome. We're bringing it in right on the runway. Perfect. Well, thank you so yep. much for coming on the show, Marie. All these thank years, you. as I've said, uh, this is the last of the seasonal format. I'm not sure what I'm going to do exactly after this, so I'm putting a bow on, you know, a decade plus of doing these crazy shows. And as I said, you've been on since year two or season two, so it's yeah. been it's been you know a thrill and a joy to have you all these years on the program, well, and it's you. been fascinating and enlightening. And thank you for. You know, bringing all this information and laughs to the audience uh, for over a well, decade. Thank now. you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. And we'll talk soon about uh, my ideas off the Other air. Other stuff. <laughs> off the air stuff. Sounds good. All right. Have a great night. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. And thank you to all the guys in the chat room, all the folks in the chat room. They're disappearing now, so I can't see them. Digger Dog, Jim Lydica, Darren, uh John O, I guess I'll say, I don't want to say his whole name, I don't know how that kind of thing works, but uh, yeah, well that was it, thank you so much to Marie Jones, that was awesome, I loved that conversation, I was amazed by the really unexpected avenues we explored there, I was really, the her Men in Black experience, and the whole half hour there talking about uh, the latest in UFO news, I hadn't planned that at all, so, and I, I always am hesitant to bring up the latest news with guests because it's like I feel like I'm putting them on the spot and you don't know if they're really going to know what you're talking about and it's like it kind of turns into like train wreck radio where you have to explain a story but she she was chomping at the bit to talk about those stories so I'm glad we got a chance to talk about it because I sometimes don't offer my opinion but on those I got to uh, express myself about these various stories so I hope folks enjoyed that and the whole interview uh, as a whole and I guess that's it Five weeks in a row, the train keeps chugging along. Next week on the program, it's going to be a big one, folks. The legend, the icon, the friend of the program for so many years. The amazing, incomparable Lauren Coleman will return to BOA Audio, the man behind the International Cryptozoology Museum. And as I said, a pure icon of the paranormal and the esoteric. Uh, it's going to be a blast. I don't know exactly what time yet, so <laughs> i got to touch base with Lauren and find out what time we're going to do it. But that will be next Tuesday, uh, June 6th, 6 kind of a creepy numerological thing 
we're trying to do here for the episode or we uh, plan to do for the episode because, you know, we're going to try and get into – I know Lauren doesn't like to mix and match, but I'm going to have to force him to do it. You know, the Twilight language stuff. Uh, we're definitely going to get into the creepy clowns. Uh, and, of course, we got to get an update on Bigfoot and what's going on in uh, the search for Bigfoot. As I said, Lauren will know more about these reality shows and other Bigfoot shenanigans than I possibly could. So we're going to get into all that. The legend, the icon, Lauren Coleman, next week on BOA Audio. And on that note, we will uh, wrap it up for the evening. Thanks again to everybody who tuned in, and I'll talk to you next week.